in a sec. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is our virtual class for A Course in Miracles with my special guest co-host, Robert Rosenthal, MD. Dr. Bob joins me on the second Thursday of the month, and I'd like to announce that we are returning to our original time slot of 3 p.m. Eastern. This year, we've been delving into the topic of special relationships as defined by the course in an ongoing series. However, last month, we broke from the series to discuss the natural disasters that have been taking place from the perspective of the course. If you have not heard the September 2017 segment, we encourage you to do so. We taped that segment two weeks before this broadcast, and even more has happened in between. But today, we'll continue our series on special relationships with Chapter 16, Section 6, The Bridge to the Real World. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's Board of Directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of Dr. Bill Thetford, co-scribe of the course. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House. The book interprets the biblical story of Exodus and demonstrates the ego's perception of life's conditions. It is recommended that you read this book prior to studying Course in Miracles or to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the Course's abstract concepts. To connect, you can go to fromplaguestomiracles.com to read excerpts, of the book or purchase the book, which will make a profound addition to your spiritual library. Visit ACIM.org, as in A Course in Miracles, to learn more about and purchase the combined volume of A Course in Miracles and discover other valuable resources. You can review the archives of my discussions with Dr. Bob since 2013 at spiritualinsightsradio.com, and you can connect with Dr. Bob on Facebook on his page, From Plagues to Miracles. On social media, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Char Spicer, and join over 9,000 other followers on Facebook on my Spiritual Insights radio page, where you can tune in directly to the archives. You are welcome to join my closed discussion group, the Spiritual Insights Forum, and we look forward to interacting with you wherever you participate in social media. Well, join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. How are you? Well, 
you know, as you said, Char, the the the, the natural disasters here in uh, 2017, the, the hit parade just keeps on rolling, and uh, mm-hmm. this time we have um, you know massive fires um, just a little bit to the north of where I live. Um, I've been pretty much uh, assured internally that we're going to be okay. But we're hosting uh, refugees who have had to evacuate. My son had to evacuate his college up there. So, um, yeah, you know, I think we're all getting uh, a, a real taste of, of just how thin the veneer of civilization can get. And that can either drive us into panic and survival mode or it can be a strong inducement to embrace our spiritual nature and uh, and, 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 and and its eternal nature and go in that direction. And I, I, I can only reinforce what you just said. I think our, our segment uh, two weeks ago um, about natural disasters is, is very worth listening to. Um, I can't remember a thing we said, of course, but I remember thinking it was very worth listening to. <laughs> I, I was elated afterwards. I thought it was terrific. And, um, and then um, just when you thought the worst was over, there was the massacre in Las Vegas, and now you're in California with those fire fires that are burning. Yep. To, aren't they to the north and south of you? They're in a couple locations. No, it's most. There's there are a couple down in Southern California, but they're all to the north. Um, but you know, I mean, that's it's a natural part of where we live. I mean, you know, you drive up there a lot, um, especially since my son started school there. We have friends there. We eat there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like known territory and I think over 4000 homes have been lost and and I think they're going to find a lot more loss of life too. Um, you know, mm. such is the ego's world. It's it's pretty nasty. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, our prayers go out to everybody affected by this. Our prayers go out to you, Dr. Yeah. Bob, and I hope that the smoke clears soon. I know you Thank haven't had you. clean air for a while. Okay, and that yeah, I mean, you know, the sun, okay the sun tries to yeah, the sun tries to shine through. Actually, right now it's pretty blue out there, so uh, auspicious omen. <laughs> yes, we let's like. take it that way. Yeah. So we get back to our series on special relationships with the bridge to the real world in chapter sixteen. This is very exciting, and. Yes. On a, on a personal note for me, when I sat down today to look over what we would be discussing, it made sense of several events in my life over the past couple of months in my, you know, when I receive guidance and um, just just the things that, you know, you go through life and you have these experiences and you're like, well, that's great, that's great. And then get a little time out and you can look back and see how all the dots connect. So I had an experience like that and we'll talk about that later on in the um, as we go through the section and see how far we get. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. The yeah. only uh, note I'd make is that this, this section, the bridge to the real world begins something of a transition where, you know, the last couple sections that we've read and discussed really talk about the, the dynamics of the special relationship and how the ego works with that. And, you know, that whole idea that someone else offers you a piece of what you feel you're missing and mm-hmm. that you're both kind of sacrificing yourself on the altar of, uh, of incompletion and in, in, in a vain attempt, a ritual to be complete. The bridge to the real world begins to talk about the bridge and the transition to what, what the alternative is. Um, you know, what, what's waiting for us. And, and I, I love it. And uh, this section has, you know, 
one of my more favorite lines uh, from the course, one of my top hundred <laughs> lines. So uh, I'm looking forward to reading it too. Okay. So to make sure that you can do that, where do you want to start? Do you want me to start with paragraph one or? Yeah. Why don't you uh, give it a start and I'll take it from there. Okay. You do one, I'll do two. You do the odd number paragraphs, I'll do the evens. Okay. Sounds good. Here we go. Okay. So again, ladies and gentlemen, this is chapter 16, section six, the bridge to the real world. Paragraph one. The search for the special relationship is the sign that you equate yourself with the ego and not with God. For the special relationship has value only to the ego. To the ego, unless a relationship has special value, it has no meaning, for it perceives all love as special. Yet this cannot be natural, for it is unlike the relationship of God and his son, and all relationships that are unlike this one must be unnatural. For God created love as he would have it be, and gave it as it is. Love has no meaning except as its creator defined it by his will. It is impossible to define it otherwise and and understand it. So what I get out of that is that because the ego identifies so closely with the body, which is an illusion, it cannot properly identify with love, which is real. And this identification is projected onto other bodies in the search for union. And the union that takes place in the special relationship is the reinforcement of what love is not identified only through the body and through the ego is special. So forming a new definition of love through the logic of the ego is impossible mm-hmm. because God's love is changeless. It can only be misinterpreted by the ego's goal for continued separation from God through the connection to another body. That's what I take from. Oh, that's great. I mean, I think what that, 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 that nails it. That's, that, that's outstanding. That's exactly right. Thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I had a lot to say, and you you covered it so well. I, I think this harkens to a couple of different places. One, the, the, the basic introduction to the Course. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. So what this is saying is the only thing that's real is love. God established love because it's what God is. And what God establishes as real, we don't get to change. But the ego, um, and there are a couple of different places in the course where it talks about this, uh, you know, the last law of chaos, for example, um, the ego made a substitute for love. It had to because it, it doesn't know love. Ego can't know love. Love is about inclusiveness and oneness. The ego is about separation, fractionation, and division. So what did the ego substitute for love? It substituted specialness. You know, there's a quote in the course that says, you know, you asked for special favor from God and this he could not grant. You know, he can't grant specialness because the moment one aspect is special, another one is not. And immediately, you know, oneness shatters. You're no longer in oneness. So any form of specialness, which means any form of comparison and at the most basic level, even this entire world of perception, which is all about comparisons and contrasts, all of it at some level comes from this desire to be special. We're talking about the special relationship uh, today in the last, um, you know, however many segments we've done. So the special relationship is kind of, you know, the ego's way of saying, ah, 
I'm not going to do this unity thing. I'm not going to see love in everyone and therefore also see it in myself. I'm not going to participate in this oneness stuff because, because I'll disappear. Um, and so the ego goes, no, I want a special relationship. I want it with one other person and together, you know, we'll leave the world aside. I mean, you know, it's kind of the, uh, the tagline for every Hollywood romance that's ever been made. And mm-hmm. that's how powerful and appealing this is. I mean, when I first got the course at the age of 20, I understood all this stuff about the special relationship. And, and yet, if you'd asked me, I'd say, yeah, I don't care. I still want it. I want to have it. And as we'll see later in this section when we read on, um, if you want it, then you can't have the peace of God. You can't have the oneness. You know, it, it's all or nothing. When you make a choice for nothing, you lose the all. And, mm. and I think that's what this section is saying so beautifully. You know, the ego perceives all love as special, which means that it can't know love because love isn't special. In fact, there's um, a line, I could find it, maybe I will uh, a little later on, that says, you know, um, if, 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 if you're not feeling love, if you're not seeing love everywhere equally, then, then it's not love. Then, you know, you're, you're doing something else. You know, huh. you, here it is. You cannot enter into real relationships with any of God's sons unless you love them all e- and equally. Love is not special. That's from uh, chapter 13, section 10, lines 11 and uh, paragraph 11, you know. So the whole ego notion of relationship is screwed up because it's, it's rooted in this notion of separation. Whereas from God and Holy Spirit and Jesus's perspective, real relationships are all equal and not special. And, you know, and it's funny. I mean, I don't know about you. When I hear, you know, okay, it's not special, some little part of me goes, oh, well, then, it, then it's, it doesn't really count. You know, it's not – I mean, if, if there isn't something special in it for me, you know, if there isn't that lollipop of specialness, then, then who needs it? You know, the idea of, oh, it's all the same feels boring, feels like, uh, you know, there's nothing in it for us. Well, that's, that's just an indication of, of how um, rooted we are in the ego mind. Because when you really do embrace that all-encompassing love that, you know, shines forth from everyone, um, it's, it's pretty darn great and it's pretty darn satisfying and you really don't need anything else. Mm. So that's what I take from that. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, it, it's all so good. I mean, the more I do A Course in Miracles, the more I have the experience of reading a paragraph or a couple of lines and going, wow, that's just amazing. I mean, this might be the only holographic book I know where practically every line or every few lines contains the entire message but does it in you know a slightly different way. Uh, it's just oneness, um, you know, like coming into the prism of form and and just giving us the message over and over and over and in a hundred ways so that we can absorb it and learn it and practice it. Mm. Okay. Paragraph two. Let me just add one thing. You had mentioned um, when you you were, you know, 20 and you found the course and you understood it, but you still wanted it, you know, and then, and I didn't know about the course at that point. And I was in the process of learning everything the hard way. 
And I wanted, you know, as defined by the course, a special relationship. I wanted someone special to time with and have a companion and, you know, enjoy all the benefits of, you know, a loving relationship. But because of the way I was looking at it and for what I wanted out of it, what I thought was what I got. And so what I wound up Mm. with was all forms, all different types of special relationships and then take the word special out and just insert the word problematic. And so in that pursuit, it was a disaster. It was ridiculous. Like all the things I had to learn and what I learned, what was, what love was not. And so I had to really look at what I was looking for. And then in finding the course at 33, it put all of that in perspective for me. So we all do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, special love isn't love, but it takes experience to know that. And I think we've all, you know, kind of set sail on the sea of romantic love and uh, hit a storm and, you know, and capsized. And, and, And sometimes you have to do that a few times before you learn. And then there are people out there who, nope, I'm going to try again. You know, it's not me. It's not the specialness. Somewhere out there, there is somebody who's going to meet every one of my needs just perfectly and ask of me only what I want to give. Well, you know, that that's not reality. Or, Or rather, what we're really looking for, if you think about it, is God in the form of another person. Well, if you, you meet someone and, you know, and you think they're God – you're stuck in specialness because God isn't going to show up that way. But when you have the relationship with God, which is an internal relationship, then you don't need the specialness outside, which doesn't mean you go and become a hermit, just the opposite. I mean, you can engage with everybody from a sense of just brimming over with love. But, yeah, you're right. We learn by, uh, you know, throwing our hat in the ring and uh, having it kicked around a lot. Uh-huh. And um, I love what you just said. Jesus said to me when he first came through in 2001, he said, when two people are in love, it is that they are standing together in God's love. And he mm. would go into some explanations like that. And then uh, later on that year, he said, in order for you to find the relationship that you want, you have to first experience God's love. Because unless you do, you won't find the relationship you want. What you're looking for is something altogether different. And then I was in the process of studying the course. And then once I got the special relationships, I understood what he was talking about. But that's exactly what had to happen. In order for me to have a model to uh, reach for, you know, I, I had to let all of the misperceptions of relationships and love, quote unquote, to fall away and really get to what I truly wanted, which was the peace of God's love. Once I found that, Alan came and found me. Yes. And then you enter into relationships where they may not have that intoxicating high of of the the newness of a special relationship. Mm -hmm. But that's a good thing because that intoxicating high, well, intoxicating means you're you're toxic. You know, you've been poisoned. Um, So, you know, the absence of that is not a bad thing, and those always crash and burn. They have to, because nobody turns out to be God, I mean, at the level that the ego wants them to. And yet, right. when you embrace the love of God, everybody turns out to be God. And that's that's the coolness of it all, you know. It's and relationships a, are a more simple little sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's about a sustainability. Shift, and yet, in that shift, it all fake. changes. Yeah, fake falls apart, and real is maintained effortlessly. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Paragraph right, two. So, paragraph two. <clears throat> it's a short one. Is freedom. To look for it by placing yourself in bondage is to separate yourself from it. For the love of God, no longer seek for union and separation, nor for freedom in bondage. I'm going to read that again because there are two mm-hmm. ways to do it. For the love of God, no longer seek for union and separation, nor for freedom in bondage. As you release, so will you be released. Forget this not, or love will be unable to find you and comfort you. So first, that line I read twice is, um, that's a, a, a double entendre. You can hear it two ways, and the Course does that fairly often. Um, some year I'm going to collect all of the ones that I can find because they always have the, the double meanings are wonderful. So one is, for the love of God, no longer seek for union and separation or freedom and bondage. In other words, if you want to get the love of God, you can't look for it where it isn't. Um, you know, you can't find union in separate bodies. You can't find freedom in the enslavement of this special relationship. But then it's also playing on our phrase, you know, for the love of God, stop that. Uh, you know, so for the love of God, don't, don't continue this fruitless search in a place where you're never going to find it. Um, I have a new book coming out in March. Uh, the title of it uh, is From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles. And I start out in Chapter 1 talking about the old you know, sort of uh, metaphor of, 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 of the drunk looking for his uh, lost keys underneath the streetlight. Uh, and can't find him, and someone says, well, where'd you lose him? And he goes, well, you know, I think over there somewhere. Well, why are you looking here? Oh, well, this is where I can see. You know, you got to look where the thing is lost, and the ego always wants to look only in the darkness, so to speak. The ego wants to, you know, I always joke, you know, the ego is always looking for love in all the wrong places, Um, and that's not just a country western line. That is profound truth. Um, but looking for love in all the wrong places, as we just said, doesn't mean that guy's wrong. I thought she was the one and she's not, but someone else awaits me out there. No, it means, you know, you're trying to find, you know, love and specialness, you know, union and separation and freedom and bondage. But what does it mean when we say love is freedom? Because that, that seems a little strange. Um, and, you know, as as a longtime course student and teacher, I grok it. I sense what that is, but it's not easy to put in words. And what I would say is, anything that isn't love enchains you to the world of specialness, the world of separation, the world of other people. Once you think that you and your brother are two separate beings, there is a profound guilt in that. You are seeing him, her, as they are not. And in a sense, that is really attacking them. That is aiding and abetting the ego in its split, its uh, separation. And therefore, we become afraid out of our guilt that we are going to be attacked back by them. Uh, And now we have to take defenses. uh, You know, we have to lock our doors and build walls because bodies attack. So in a sense, if you're not embracing universal love, if you're not at least willing to ask Holy Spirit to show you how to see things differently, 
then you are enslaved to that which is not real. And in that sense, you're not free. And the key to your jail, the only key to your jail, is love. Love gets you out of that. But you can't really embrace the love until you make the clear decision that you are no longer interested in running the ego's race and chasing after its goal. Because uh, you've done it a few times and it just don't work and you're sick and tired of it and you're fed up. To quote the course line, tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. Eventually, everyone begins to realize, however dimly, that there must be a better way. So at some point, we, we realize the ego is just, you know, leading us on. Um, and we do want a better way. But that better way is not a better way within the ego's world. That better way is the path of, of, of love as God knows love. Uh, and as we know love inside our hearts, that is where freedom lies. Okay, hmm. so uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts or are responses. that. What's that? No, go ahead. I said or oh, your responses okay. to what I said. Yeah. Oh, my response. Well, I loved everything you said. Um, what I get from it is that uh, true love has no limits uh, or binding, okay? And, and then I take loneliness. Um, as a, a metaphor, look at loneliness like a prison. And so to escape from it, to the ego, we must bind ourselves to another person, and we call this freedom. But union can't be if we don't look beyond the separateness of the body and the exclusiveness of a special relationship is not true freedom it's because it's exclusive, because it pulls you away from the connectedness of the collective. And I also noted that to the ego, because many of us do this in response to re relationships that fall apart, to the ego, relationships teach that love hurts. But what's actually happening is when you're in a special relationship and it starts to fall apart, where the other person starts to seem different than what you originally perceived, it's, called, it's disillusionment. So your illusion of the relationship is manning, and that is the painful process. And it's that that outrages the ego further against love, true love, and then sets the ego on a course where it needs a relationship that's even more special than the one before it in order to be satisfied. And so it has you yeah. on this mission of, well, this is special. Oh, no, it, it, didn't, it didn't satisfy me. So I'll find something even more special with more to offer. And so it puts you on this path of, like you, you know, like you say, looking for love in all the wrong places, and sure. and each one has to be even more valuable than the last. When if we pull back and look at it, any form of love is acceptable, but to the ego, is the ego satisfied simply because, and and in, because love was found. But if it was real love, depending on the person, I think, and the level of intensity of of that individual's ego, the the ego might be turned off buy it because it's afraid of it and so it wants to escape this fear by being in relationship and then wants to escape the relationship because of the fear and it engenders with respect to what love really is and so it goes around and around yeah and we you know? can shift that in any moment by committing our relationships to god love holy spirit instead of seeking something from them that they just plain can't give you know, we're, we're asking our relationships 
to do for us what only you know what only God can do, what only the Holy Spirit can do, as we say. Mm. And we'll find out what He can do in the next few paragraphs if we get to it. Yeah, go, take it away. Okay, paragraph three. There is a way in which the Holy Spirit asks your help if you would have His. The Holy Instant is His most helpful aid in protecting you from the attraction of guilt, the real lure in the special relationship. You do not recognize that this is its real appeal, for the ego has taught you that freedom lies in it. Yet the closer you look at this special relationship, the more apparent it becomes that it must foster guilt and therefore must imprison. My goodness. Yeah. Well, guilt, this just, you know, yeah, it amplifies what we've been saying. I, I can <laughs> simplify it. I've been trying hard to simplify. Um, I just have the, you know, guilt is the lore of the special relationship insofar as in seeking such a relationship that, quote, completes us, as we often like to refer to the that completes us line. But but in looking to something outside of you to complete you, denies who you are, and that's why it's Literally. special. Mm-hmm. Literally, exactly. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And when we deny who we are, we've pushed ourselves back from God, and that's where the guilt comes in. Exactly. You know, we feel guilty because we we did this thing, this separation, and we think we killed God. Ha ha! You know, um, mm-hmm. only in our dream, you know, in our dreams, and and that's the only way. The only way we can be separate is to maintain the dream state, and the course is gently waking us up. Very. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Good stuff. All right. Did you Shall have... I continue? Okay. Go right. All right. Ahead. Paragraph four. The special relationship is totally meaningless without a body. If you value it, you must also value the body. And what you value, you will keep. The special relationship is a device for limiting yourself to a body and for limiting your perception of others to theirs. The great rays, capital G, capital R, the great rays would establish the total lack of value of the special relationship if they were seen. For in seeing them, the body would disappear because its value would be lost. And so your whole investment in seeing it would be withdrawn from it. So, yeah, the special relationship is utterly dependent on the idea, the notion that you are a body, I am a body, and everyone else is a body. And of course, as we said, the moment you you embrace that, you're back. You know, you're in specialness. There is no way out. Bodies can't join. Uh, and I'm sorry, sex doesn't join bodies. I mean, it's temporary, you know. And the bodies go their own way. And if you value the special relationship, you must also value the body, because. You know, the whole thing is just a big con game of specialness. But the line that, you know, that zings me is what you value, you will keep. And and again, this is where, you know, there's another section in the course, a couple chapters um, after this, that talks about all it's asking of us is a little willingness. Um, we don't have to move mountains, although miracles certainly are capable of that when we allow them to come through us. All the Course asks of us is a little willingness, and that willingness is to challenge what we think we believe. Um, you know, when you first come on A Course in Miracles, it seems absolutely insane. You know, when I, I'm, I'm often still a little bit hesitant to tell people who don't know what it is what it's trying to teach because they're going to look at you and go, what, 
the world isn't the world isn't real and you're not real and you know oh come on get real um so so it's so upside down we have to be willing even in a small way to go all right at least i know that i don't like what's happening now kind of like what you were saying Shar about your you know the the series of special relationships these aren't mm-hmm. working for me at least i know that let me be willing to be shown a different way. And in that willing, you know, what you value, you will keep. The moment we're willing to see something differently, we've withdrawn our value from the world as we knew it, and we're open to investing, if you will, at seeing our value somewhere else. Um, Now, the great rays, this is one of those uh, things that people ask, what are they? I'll tell you what my take is. Um, based on some personal experience. Um, But I would add, you know, don't take my word for it. It's one of those things that at some point on your journey, you'll probably have your own experience of it. And uh, that's really the goal here. So it says the great rays would establish the total lack of value of the special relationship that they were seen. For in seeing them, the body would disappear because its value would be lost. Now, I'm not... In my experience, the body doesn't literally disappear because then you'd be unconscious. But what the great rays are, it's, it's a perception of light that is not of this world, a light that shines from beyond the body. The Course talks about this um, not in any one section, uh, but, but throughout. Um, and that when we see that light, we recognize it's connected with everyone else and it's connected with God and the great rays in that sense. You know, if you think about the rays from the sun, it, it's this, how to put it, it's this flood, this streaming of, of light that is so much more real than anything in this world, any bodies, any, uh, you know, imp- any houses, any, anything of any kind that you know that that's the only thing um, that counts, and therefore that's the only thing you want. And when you look on, you know, a brother that way, uh, and you see that, you're no longer invested in keeping them in a body. Um, I think we see the great rays when we are looking with what the Course calls Christ's vision, um, and the Course does talk about Christ's vision quite a bit. In fact, I, I point out uh, frequently that there are more workbook lessons in the course devoted to vision and Christ's vision and the light than there are to forgiveness, which most people would say forgiveness is the central teaching of the course. Well, when we forgive, we learn to see people as not bodies. We learn to see the light in them. We learn to see the great rays. And by the same token, as you begin to perceive the world as a place of light and not darkness, and you see brothers as, as you know, um, as essentially the same as you, then it becomes easier and easier to practice forgiveness. Because if they're not different, and if they're not separate, and if we're all united in love, then yeah, what's there to forgive? Nothing. Nothing ever happened. It's a, it's a, it's a dream. So. I love I like the idea of the great rays. Um you know it's it's uh it's not entirely clear the course never defines it in any particular way but it gets described and and I think you know eventually experience leads us to that place. 
Um, mm. I could go on and say a whole lot more, but uh, let me turn it over to you because I know you've got some thoughts on the Great Rays, too. Oh, yes. So uh, at the top of the show, I had said that there were certain um, things that I was able to look back on over the last couple of months and connect the dots, which led to today's conversation. And um, with what happened was a couple months ago, and I was dealing with all the, the computer issues, but I've since resolved those. Um, I was talking with uh, Mother Mary and Danielle, her channel, about what we wanted to talk about next, and the topic of collaboration came up. And Mother indicated to me that she would love to talk about that. But we didn't get to do a segment last month for whatever reason. And so we had our segment yesterday. And so we were talking deeply about this. And I love that you introduced the word in this segment and in our conversation. You used the word equal. And so yesterday's conversation turned to equality and different things. It was really wonderful. Mm. And if you haven't heard it, I suggest that you do. I have a little more editing to do on it. But when I got to this paragraph, and um, yes, so when I got to this paragraph and I see the great race, and, and for me, I, I thought much like you did, and I loved everything you said, especially about the mountains. Um, you referenced mountains because I heard a phrase just recently on the air. A caller had called in and gave me this saying, and I found who supposedly coined it. But the act of forgiving another person or learning to change your perception, to see people for who they really are instead of these separate bodies, that's one of the mountains in life. That's one of the hardest things mm. to do is to rise above that misperception of separateness. And so the quote, which appears to have been coined by someone named Najwa Debian, is these mountains that you are carrying, you were only supposed to climb. And so it struck me profoundly because this is one of those things that we find hardest to do in life is try to understand people, but how can you understand them when you don't recognize them for what they are? And so in recognize them as in recognizing them as yourself, that's when you really start to get beyond what outrages the ego about the other person, their behavior, their beliefs, what have you. And so when I read this, I didn't go any further uh, this morning. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to ask, what it's meant. So I sat down to talk to Jesus and asked if he wouldn't mind giving an explanation that I could offer on the air. And he said he would love to, and this is what he said. The great rays are the sparks of light that exist in all beings, human or in other forms. The great rays are the connection, the light connection to God. God's love for all beings transmits through the rays. For many, the rays are only felt on subconscious and unconscious levels. You spoke of the light in others with mother yesterday. For those who lack light, believers in separativeness, separativeness is what he called it. For those who have consciously worked to recognize God's love, they shine a brighter light and the rays of God's love can enter through the conscious mind. The great rays are the holiest of light rays, extending from God to all his children. I am one of the rays. That's why I am called the light of the world. By gazing into my light and feeling my love for you, this is what takes away, quote, the sins of the world. I am referred to as the Lamb of God. My body was sacrificed to raise conscious awareness of God's love. The great rays are there for all to feel and experience. Continuing with my course and placing emphasis on this section, using these words as a point of meditation will help the listeners recognize and understand God's love to a deeper level. 
Remember that separation has a splitting effect that reinforces body identification. To truly love another, look for the great rays in them and in yourself. Be at peace. There we go. How do you like that? Yeah, and just to go back to the the section, talking Mm -hmm. about the great rays, for in seeing them, the body would disappear because its value would be lost. What you value, you will keep. When you value the great rays, when you value love, when you value freedom, uh, the body disappears. And again, this this isn't literal. I mean, there, there are certain schools of A Course in Miracles that take every word completely literally. And, and I think they, they get themselves tied up in knots as a result. I mean, does God really weep that we're not one with him? You know, God is one. God is complete. God is whole. God is love. God isn't weeping. Um, we're the ones who are weeping, and we are a part of God, so you could say in that sense God weeps, but God himself is just fine. God knows that none of this ever happened. So there are people who take things you know, very, very literally, um, but body doesn't so much disappear as it's not valued. You're not see- it's no longer your primary way of identifying other beings. There's a section earlier on in the text where it tells us um, the ego makes an ego for itself and it makes an ego for every other person. So when we look at someone, we see their body, immediately we make a whole bunch of judgments, right? I mean, I think it's almost impossible not to. Oh, they're good looking. Oh, you know, they're wearing Gucci loafers. They must be rich. Oh, man, looks like a street person. Oh, smells. Oh, looks very intelligent. Wears glasses. What's that thing on their face? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What is that? Um, so what is that person? <laughs> just from the body alone, we make all of yeah. those. And then you start talking to someone and you hear the sound of their voice and their experience. And, <laughs> you know, next thing you know, you think you understand them. And uh, you begin to categorize them by making judgments and placing yep. them in, in, in mental categories that all based on your past experience. So what this is saying is, you know, if you don't see the body, um, you know, you don't value it. There's this alternative. You get to see the great rays. And, and, right. and yeah, and it goes on to talk more about value. Um, and, you know, there's this just, yeah. just such a rich section. This is well, great. It stuff. is. And, and just to, you know, reinforce the notion that when you look for the, for that spark of light in other people, what that does is to put you in equal footing, because that is the one thing that is the same about you is that equal spark mm. of light. And in recognizing that gets you to a level of equality where judgment falls away or has the ability to, I would think in some cases we need to call in the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to light, you know, some people shine brighter than others and that's okay because that's their journey. But in that equality is the platform where forgiveness can uh, gain better traction, I'll say. It can, t- it can take place at any time, but I think it gains better traction when you see the person for who they really are, which is a child of God with a spark of light, the same as yeah. you, and all the differences, dissimilarities, matter not. And so it's fascinating the way it all ties in. If anyone listening to this would like to check out that segment, it is the October 11, 2017 segment with Mother Mary. You can find that on my website in her section. This all pulls together so nicely, but we need to move on. Are we ready for paragraph five? Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> let's do it. 
okay. You see the world you value. On this side of the bridge, you see the world of separate bodies seeking to join each other in separate unions and to become one by losing. When two individuals seek to become one, they are trying to decrease their magnitude. Each would deny his power, for the separate union excludes the universe. Far more is left outside than would be taken in, for God is left without and nothing taken in. If one such union were made in perfect faith, the universe would enter into it. Yet the special relationship the ego seeks does not include even one whole individual. The ego wants but part of him and sees only this part and nothing else. And so I take that, let's take the first sentence. The world you see is what you value. If you value wealth, then you'll value the wealthier aspects of the world and possibly deny the more impoverished aspects, be that homeless people or employees, what have you. On this side of the bridge, now we're getting to where they're actually talking about the bridge and what the bridge is. On th- but on this side, this is a precursor. On this side of it, what you see is the world of separate bodies. This tells you this is what you value, that you see a person as that body only, not the spike, uh, the spark of light mentioned a moment ago. And so in seeing that separate body, then seeking to join with it to become one and complete, like we always say, you're actually losing because you're letting go of the main point, which is God. When two individuals seek to become one, they're trying to decrease their magnitude. Wouldn't it be better to join in God's light, in God's love, and increase your magnitude where anything is possible and anything can be endured? Then each would deny his power for the separate union excludes the universe. And so you're, you're disempowering yourself by denying your connectedness to everything else. Oneness is your power. And so when you deny it, by putting yourself in an exclusive situation that does not include other things. And, and there's something to say about privacy. No, your relationship should not include other people, but it can include your recognition of what is the oneness and the collective and know that you're part of it and continuing to impact it with the way you think and feel and behave. So far more is left outside that wouldn't be taken in. So if you brought – with what you're leaving at the door in becoming exclusive to this body and to the, the ego contained in that body and joining with it with yours, you're leaving so much on the outside that if taken in would increase the, the true value of that relationship, which is its centeredness in God's love because that's where it comes from. Where, where else can it come from unless you're inventing something like a, a paper mache relationship that the ego made? If it doesn't include God's love in whatever name you call it, in whatever form you, see, you choose to see it, if, you, if it does not include that authentic love, what have you got to build on? And you're leaving the most important ingredients out in the rain. And so the special relationship that the ego seeks, it doesn't include the wholeness of the individual to include the spark of light and the great rays that you could find in that person. The ego only wants certain parts of the person to satisfy itself. And then it sees only this part and nothing else so that when a relationship starts to derail this and there's the blame, the shame, the guilt, and that's where all of that ugliness comes to the surface. And, and we use what we once loved about a person as weapons against them. And we could go on and on. We all know what, how people tend to act in the beginning of a relationship, in the middle of the relationship, and certainly at the end of one. 
when it's time for it to dissolve. And if it's a special relationship, chances are at some point it must dissolve because as we were saying earlier, it would be way too difficult to maintain and think that you're sane or stay alive, you know, in some cases. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thoughts to add? Um, yeah, I, I, I would basically see this paragraph as as the um, the follow-on to the last one. So the last one talks about, you know, if you value the body, I'm mean, sorry, if you value the special relationship, you must also value the body. What you value, you will keep. The great rays would establish the total lack of value of the special relationship if they were seen. And then this paragraph starts, you see the world you value. And then it gets into the, you know, the, the, the title of the section, the bridge to the world, real world. So it's now using that metaphorical idea. On this side of the bridge, uh, that is the world that we all grew up in and learned all about, we're seeing a world of bodies seeking to join each other in separate unions and become one by losing. And the paragraph is just portraying the, the futility and the devastation that that entails because, yeah, God's left outside of that union. Um, the separate union excludes the universe, and nothing is taken in um, because the world here is illusion. It's a dream, and dreams are nothing. So anything you think that you are finding here that is of value, um, good luck. You know, you're, you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, find nutritional value in cotton candy, um, <laughs> which if you've ever tried to eat cotton candy, it dissolves and disappears before you can even get it in your mouth practically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just see this section as, yeah, here's one side of the bridge. Um, and then the next paragraph, which I'm about to read, describes mm-hmm. the alternative, or at least, um, you know, beckons us towards that. So, paragraph six. Across the bridge, it is so different. For a time, the body is still seen, but not exclusively as it is seen here. The little spark that holds the great rays within it is also visible. And this spark cannot be limited long to littleness. Once you have crossed the bridge, the value of the body is so diminished in your sight that you will see no need at all to magnify it. For you will realize that the only value the body has is to enable you to bring your brothers to the bridge with you and to be released together there. So here's your spark uh, and its relationship to the great rays. And mm-hmm. And and here's what I was trying to say earlier um, about, yeah, for a time, the body is still seen. Because at the point at which you stop seeing the body, you're no longer in a body yourself. And that's wonderful. You've rejoined oneness. But um, you're of less value to the atonement because the atonement can use you right where you are, um, the Holy Spirit's plan of atonement. And, and that's what the end of this section is saying. For you realize that the only value the body has is to enable you to bring your brothers to the bridge with you. Uh, some alliteration there. Bring your brothers to the bridge with you and to be released mm-hmm. together there. Um, in other places it says, yeah, the only value, you know, the body is completely neutral. Uh, its only real value is as a communication device. Communication connects us. Communication is not about specialness. You know, uh, communication doesn't make judgment. If In fact, communication is just the opposite. It's saying, I want to open and, and, and connect with you 
uh, as equals, no matter what might your body look like. Uh, so here's, here's the alternative. The little spark that holds the great rays within it is also visible. And when we see that, we're starting to cross over. Okay, um, let me hand it back to you. Yeah, um, not a whole lot to add, just that this creates a contrast. On this side, we see the exclusiveness of the body, and then on the other side, it can still be seen, but it's recognized more for what it is and its valuelessness. And that spark, once recognized, pulls you back into the proper perception of who we are and, and why we're here. And then you can use the body as a communication tool and release yourself from seeing that person exclusively as a body. And in doing so, impact that person. And that is you know, what I feel is being meant by – and bring them to the bridge with you, where you join with that person, bring them to the bridge, and see each other for who yeah. you both really are. And so I love that. And I also love – uh, paragraph seven, seven, because it talks about the bridge itself. Before I move on, did, was there something else you wanted to add? Um, I'm just going to read one other quote that I found that sort of addresses this idea of, you know, seeing the body, but also seeing the great rays and the little spark. This is from mm -hmm. a section in chapter 29 called God's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. And it says, you know, um, as you see him, your brother, shining in the space of light where God abides within the darkness you will see that God himself is where his body is. Before this light, the body disappears as heavy shadows must give way to light. The darkness cannot choose that it remain. The coming of the light means it is gone. In other words, you know, once light starts creeping in, uh, once you start recognizing that spark in people, there ain't no going back, folks. Uh, you know, you're on right. the path. You'll, sure, you'll fall back into specialness. Um, but the, 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 the decision essentially has already been made because once you know that that's there, even if you've seen it just once, even if you only have a hint of it as a potential, you know what reality is. That's all I wanted to add. Okay. So let's do seven. Yeah. All right. Here's seven. The bridge itself is nothing more than a transition in the perspective of reality. On this side, everything you see is grossly distorted and completely out of perspective. What is little and insignificant is magnified, and what is strong and powerful cut down to littleness. In the transition, there is a period of confusion in which a sense of actual disorienta disorientation may occur, but fear it not, for it means only that you have been willing to let go your hold on the distorted frame of reference that seemed to hold your world together. This frame of reference is built around the special relationship. Without this illusion, there could be no meaning you would, you would still seek here. And so that pretty much sums up everything we've been saying in the entire segment, yeah. that once, once you shift that perspective, A, you can't go back. It's almost like the bridge burns behind you. And then it, it takes that, your whole perception of the world and turns it upside down. What is strong, we cut down, and, and what is strong is God's love, and, and, and we disown it. We deny it in so many different ways. And what's insignificant is made so important, the relationship, yeah. the special relationship. And, and so it, it corrects all your perceptions if you are willing to cross that bridge. And in terms of this time of confusion, I'd say it, it's worth going through it. It's not that bad, you know, but you can feel a little out of sorts. Um, 
I think it's a matter of letting go. If if there's a, is a sense of disorientation or all of a sudden a lot of things don't make sense to me, then I, for me, in my experience of this, I just let go even further and say it'll, it'll be sorted out for me in, in the proper time. And I just basically let that go. But our frame of reference of the world is built around that special relationship. And in this context, we're, we're talking about the separation the exclusion of, of other people because they're in a separate body. Um, and without that illusion, why would you want this, this side of the bridge? If, when you want the other side of the bridge where you see things and perceive things through God's eyes in the proper perspective. And a lot of the angst and frustration and pain that comes with the illusion leaves with it. So why would you not want that same peaceful existence, which only takes the recognition of who you are and who everyone else is? Why would you not want that in favor of the chaos of where we're living now? And and that's what I get from that. Thoughts? Dr. Bob, is your mute on? I'm thinking we lost him. Let me see if he calls back in. And then we can wrap up the show. Yeah, we lost him. Let's see if uh, he'll call back in and we'll get him back. There you are. Yeah, it cut off uh, totally abruptly, and then I couldn't get a dial tone and get back on. Very That's strange. Odd. Okay, well, I'll just yeah, do I some mean, editing. Yeah, <laughs> what was the last so thing you we'll heard have to say? continue. Apologies yeah. to everyone who was uh, listening. I have no—I mean, I'm not even sitting near my phone, so I didn't push any button or anything. It was mm-hmm. just weird. Yeah, very weird. Okay. What was the last thing you heard me say? I, I basically said, well, you know, why would you not want a world that is sane and peaceful in favor of the chaos that we live in now? Yeah. On that, this side of the planet. I, I don't think I heard that part, and that, that sounds great. So why don't I, I mean, I can just uh, share a little about what I think with Chapter 7, and that can be where you, I mean, Paragraph 7, and that could be where you cut back in uh, when you edit it. Okay. Yes. All right. So, yeah, I I do have some thoughts about um, paragraph seven uh, and in particular that period of actual disorientation they're talking about. Um, You know, we're talking the bridge does represent this profound shift. I mean, everything you thought, you know, is being turned upside down. So um, I agree completely with you, Shar. It's not only worth going through. You really have no choice. Uh, It's like what the Course says in the introduction. You don't get to choose the curriculum. You just get to choose when you want to, you know, take a different aspect of it. So sooner or later, you're going to run into this. And what I wanted to say was just 
Um, this is in my book, From Plagues to Miracles, which uses the story of Exodus as a parable of the spiritual journey. This period of orientation, disorientation, is, I think, what Exodus talks about as the wandering in the wilderness. You know, um, you've already, you're on your way to the promised land. You've escaped from the bondage of the ego, Pharaoh. You know, you, um, you've, you've parted with your old sense of self to some degree, and yet you don't live comfortably in the new way enough yet to really make it yours. So you keep sort of falling back. And, and it's very uncomfortable because the new way isn't familiar enough yet to you know, wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, I'm seeing all my brothers as self and as shining with love. And, and yet the old way doesn't work either. Um, you know, you can't just commit to the old gods, the old idols, the old goals, and feel like, oh, yeah, I want to pursue love and look in all the wrong places, and I want money and fame and fortune. So you're, you're kind of in a no man's land. You're in limbo. And that's why it's so disorienting. But the way you get out of limbo is you keep walking. You keep practicing. You keep working on forgiveness and seeing the light in your brothers and sisters. And in that way, yeah, you, you eventually uh, cross that bridge. So that's, I, I actually think it is a useful thing to keep in mind because on the road to enlightenment, um, the wilderness phase of the journey can be very, very uncomfortable. Um, I know people um, uh, who really felt like they were going psychotic during that phase of the journey uh, because when you start looking at the world and it really begins to feel like a dream, you know, everything you ever knew is being questioned. Um, so that's my thought there. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty trippy. Yeah, um, pretty trippy. Exactly. Well, in fact, that's, that's what psychedelics do is a psychedelic drug rips you out of the world of illusion and therefore shows you, oh, my God, it's an illusion. And, and that's partly where the scariness comes from, too. Sorry, I had to get that in there. <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine. I've never done one of those. I can just see me screaming my head off with whatever people see and doing that. But um, I, think, I think in my experience in this world and, and, the, and the things I've seen, that's psychedelic enough for me. You know what I mean? I'll leave it at <laughs> Well, I, it I at have that. done them. And, uh, oh, yeah? you know, they can create the negative, but you can also, you know, once you're freed up from the world of illusion, um, you can have profound experiences of light and love and, uh, and the synchronistic stuff that happens can be pretty darn amazing. The problem is you come back and you start to credit the drug and give it power rather than giving yourself the power. So, oh, oh, the drug did this. No, the drug didn't do – well, I mean, obviously the drug did it. But if you rely on the drug to get you somewhere, you've just created another ego dependency. Um, so the only value that I see in psychedelics is, you know, first opening that door, getting a crack in the world of perception for those who need it. And, you know, do you to, need it? Well, you know, trust your path. See what Holy Spirit says. See what to, comes to your kinda, way. Are you saying to kind of see, see the potential and, and what's possible? It, it's more like getting, um, how to put it, it, it would be sort of like uh, putting on a virtual reality headset uh, before you traveled to China or, you know, someplace and, or watching a, vid, a film of it and getting really absorbed in that 
and then leaving the theater and going, okay, that, that looks really good. I want to travel there someday. Um, it, it is a very direct and, and experience of this world is an illusion. And that's uh, why it's terrifying for some people, while for other people it's, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. Liberating. And, but then mm-hmm. when they come back and come down from it, they're dejected and depressed. Oh, I want to stay there. That felt great. Uh, you know what? And, and then, you know, and then it closes off the bridge that allows you to move from this world into the next one. But as an opening, you know, for some some people are very locked into, um, you know, the, the, the sense that perception is absolutely ironclad real. And, uh, you know, for them, uh, you know, there is value in, in psychedelic drugs. But, um, you know, I, I don't think I want to make our show about, you know, which ones are better for what. Um, people have found a lot of value in them. But as an ultimate path, no, I don't recommend them and I don't advocate them. Only as only as an opening, because ultimately you have to do it yourself, and and you have all the tools you need with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, and everybody has choice, and you know, do what's best for you. But um, yeah, yep. we're not certain. We're certainly not recommending you go out and do it. But if that's part right. of your path, knock yourself out. No judgment here. Exactly. No judge. This is the course of miracles. We do not judge. That's right. <laughs> And everyone's well, path is going to look different within the world of form because we think we are different. And the further along you get, the more you realize everyone's path is, is, is the same. It's just a matter of, you know, which illusions you're leaving behind in order to see the light and embrace love. Amen. Amen. Speaking <laughs> of amen, I think this is a good place to stop, and I have chosen I a agree. prayer for us. And yep. then I look forward to picking up Next time with paragraph eight, and um, perfect. That's, I, I love this next paragraph. Can't wait to get to it. So yeah, that's the right. favorite line I was talking about at the beginning. Uh, you know, so we'll be starting right out with it. Oh, is that one? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fear not that you'll. Yeah. Okay. Well. Just to recap, from plaguestomiracles.com, go to the website, get Dr. Bob's book, read the excerpts. It's amazing. And spiritualinsightsradio.com to hear our other discussions over the course of the past four years. And we are now, Dr. Bob, at over 300, and, over 300 episodes for the show. And you're a large part of that. So thank you very much. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. well, I'm honored. It's been great. I yes. think we've both learned in the process. And I think we've both gotten pretty darn good at, uh, at, at, at diving into A Course in Miracles. And, um, yeah. just, you know, it's, it's so great that we can share it with all of our listeners. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little different from, from, you know, being in a classroom and having students and getting to see the look in their eyes or on their faces when they get that revelation. So I had mm-hmm. some adjustments to make, um, but working with you and in your, the breadth of your and depth of your knowledge, my goodness, and the way you quote stuff off the top of your head, but and just our styles mesh well, and everybody seems yeah. to be enjoying the segments and learning a lot and reading along. So I've been getting some excellent feedback, and um, I look forward to that continuing. Sounds good. So, All righty, uh, and it will be continued. Okay, good. I'm glad. All righty. So I will look forward to our next time together. And I'm taking this prayer from Choose once again. Selections from A Course in Miracles, 
published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. It's a book of really profound uh, prayers and Bill, uh, Bill did this. These were, yeah, Dr. these were Ross? Bill Thetford's favorite selections from the course. Got you. Okay. Well, yes. I found I found a section that fits our discussion today, so I will go with that, and I look forward to uh, our next time together. Great. Amen. Okay. Here we go. This is on page 72, again from Choose Once Again. Father, your will is mine, and only that. There is no other will for me to have. Let me not try to make another will, for it is senseless and will cause me pain. Your will alone can bring me happiness, and only yours exists. If I would have what only you can give, I must accept your will for me and enter into peace where conflict is impossible. Your son is one with you in being and in will. And nothing contradicts the holy truth that I remain as you created me. Amen. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless and be at peace.